You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Grey yeah. Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it in! And it's over! Ready, set, hook! Thanks for present play on this episode of Two and Out. Travis Cura, Sheldon Jones, Brazilian Tide. Boys, We'll start with you, Sheldon. Tell me where the Halloween candy deals are at, because I think uh, they screw us now. They they pack it in Christmas packaging now and don't give us the good deals anymore. I seen uh, seen you saw Jamie, uh, yeah, uh, my Jamie. I saw uh, I saw this guy walking out of uh, Shoppers yesterday, and he looked like he got some deals because he had like six boxes. I also think people aren't as patient as they used to be. You got to mm-hmm. wait them out, man. You don't buy it on Halloween. <laughs> well, well, even so, like I got a like a hundred and fifty pack of those Nestle ones for like eleven bucks last week. So that's a good price. Yeah. Good price. The Nestle box <laughs> is now the king. Like now that they've figured it out and they've decided that they can charge more for the standalone Reese's or the standalone Kit Kat. You can tell I really think about this hard. <laughs> I don't just yeah. go to the store and put it in my basket blindly. No, like it's I, it's it's Nestle, and then you just buy a yeah. caramel bar at the till if you want one. Yeah, the only thing better than the Nestle is Christmas time at Costco when they have the giant lint ball uh, pack for like twenty I got a bucks. Giant lint That's... ball came out of my dryer today. <laughs> I got one that came out of my belly button. Uh, the 2023 <laughs> CFL Awards nominees list has been unveiled here. Okay, let's uh, lock in our picks. Chad Kelly, Brady Oliveira for MOP. I'm picking Chad Kelly, Ty. Chad Kelly. Sheldon? Yeah, he'll win it, yeah. Defensive player, Darius Pickett of the Argos, Matthew Betts of the Lions. Sheldon, I'm going Betts. Yep. Yeah. MOC, Brady Oliveira or Mark Antoine DeCroix. It's Oliveira, Oliveira. I think we all agree. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick or Dejon Allen for offensive linemen. I'm going to go Yoshi Hardrick. I I think he's going to get the... Although, I could really see the Argos cleaning up on every category except Mm -hmm. defensive player and Canadian, right? Yeah, that's kind of where my thinking is, too. I think it'll be Hardrick, but yeah, it could happen. Uh Special teams player, Sean White obviously was solid, but I think they're going to give it to Javon Leak uh, for his return prowess with the Argos. Mm-hmm. Um, flashy, yeah. Rookie of the year, Kai Gray of the Elks or Quantez Stiggers of the Argos. I think they're going to give it to Stiggers and coach of the year, O'Shea or Dinwiddie. I think they're going to give it to Dinwiddie. But I think those two categories, you could have argued that Reggie Stubblefield of the Alouettes and Stiggers could have both been in for Rookie of the Year and just ignored the West. And mm-hmm. same for Coach of the Year. Respect to O'Shea, respect to the Bombers, 
but Jason Moss and Dinwiddie could have both been nominated for this one. Ty, do you think they could alter the system a little bit when it comes to the finalists of the awards? I don't enjoy it just being one from each division. The NHL doesn't care. The NFL has, I guess the NFL does it, AFC, NFC stuff uh, for like offensive player, defensive player and all that stuff like that. But if there's more than like, there's definitely more than two guys that should be nominated for some of these awards. Yeah. So like, you're just cutting out the field. I get maybe not wanting everybody at the awards. Cause I mean, if you have like three or four coaches nominated for coach of the year, and then you have three or four rookies and they're from a different team. It's not like they're all, you know, it's not like you're well, Toronto could just send their roster. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I, I get why they do this to kind of appease both sides of the country, but it, it screws over guys. And like, if you like a guy like tomorrow, Houston, who, who dropped off later on in the year, but if he were to keep that going, but then, I mean, and then you have bets who sets, or did he tie or set the Canadian he set record? Yeah. He set, yeah, he broke and set, reset the Canadian sack record. Like, there's just so many guys that need that should be there that should be acknowledged that just don't get the acknowledgement. Like, yeah, like the fans know and everything, but it's just nice to actually have them all there. And you know, yeah, they get their team nominees, but it's nice to be a league nominee. I think the CFL more than any other league has. Uh pockets of fans that stay in their own little bubble and don't realize what's happening across the country. And I think that proves it with Mm -hmm. attendance being up 2023, uh, 3% in 2023. And that is with uh, lagging numbers in Calgary and Edmonton, uh, even in uh, Saskatchewan a little bit. They still got the paid attendance. Fans just got kind of angry and stopped. uh, Which uh, is completely understandable. Yeah, but an increase in BC and Toronto has kind of fueled the 3% 3% increase mm-hmm. this year, which uh, I, I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. So, <laughs> I mean, Toronto, Toronto basically, Toronto, like their attendance went up 10,000%. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of lifted up the overall mm-hmm. numbers for well, and, the entire league. And we've talked about it where, you know, a healthy Toronto franchise, whether it's the NHL or the CFL, is important to that yeah. league to be successful. Yeah. And it helps when they're 16 and two and uh, look, mm-hmm. they've already sold, I think over 21,000 for the East final. Uh, the upper deck is open at BMO field. They're going to have a great atmosphere there. Uh, on November 11th, and it's going to be a tough place for Hamilton or Montreal to go into Montreal. and win. <laughs> Let's it's... talk about uh, just a little bit about the teams that aren't in the playoffs. Sheldon, Bob Dice returning in 2023 for the Red Blacks, at least to start the season. But from what I see from our nation online is they are a bitter, battered, and bruised group. I I can't hold it against them. I'll be clear. But uh, what do you think about Dice returning to start next year? Well, I think he's in the first year of his, of his contract. Or he just finished the first year of his contract, right? So it makes sense that he's given another year, but I, I don't think that leash will be very long uh, because the Ottawa fans are going to revolt if it is. Uh, they 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 need to perform better. And and they even, a lot of people thought they had a good free agency this year. So um, they're going to have to put the work. And I don't know if putting all your eggs back into Masoli's basket is the right idea though. So 
I don't know what what they're going to do there, but uh, it makes sense. It's good for the riders because uh, it's one less head coach in Canada you got to get out of the way. So, but um, I don't know. I like, I know why? if I was you an Ottawa fan, I'd probably take be upset. dice. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like it's one less team to fight for a coaching oh. candidate. That's what I meant. <laughs> and and two, and now it gives dice. You kind of got the raw end of a deal with Masoli getting hurt again. Crum comes in, wasn't the number one in camp or anything like that. Now, if they can get, if if they're going to go with Crum, then he's the number one. I mean, they can start to build a system around him and get him in camp. He's got all the reps from this year. He'll get the reps with the new guys coming in and all that stuff. Same with Masoli. If he's healthy and he comes back, and he can stay healthy. I just think, I just don't think he got a very fair deal with Masoli going down again. I remember the emotion that he showed and the team showed when they beat Winnipeg. It's mm-hmm. clear that they like playing for Bob, but that doesn't it doesn't yeah. always translate to victory. So we'll see what happens next year. Jeremiah Mazzoli says he does intend to return. He's got one more year on his contract. We'll see what the Red Blacks do there. With, with Mazzoli at this point, like... I don't want to speak for him, but like it almost feels like you got to start thinking about your life after football. Like how many injuries can you, do you really want to sustain and go through this? And I know he's an athlete. So that the recovery and everything is way easier than any one of us three. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, but it's just one of those things. Like it's, I don't know if, if he's susceptible to injury or if it's just luck, but. There's, there is a lot of people saying that about Zach, you know, four years mm-hmm. ago, though. So. Yeah, Zach's career was over when he left yeah. the Riders. That was it. <laughs> so and I was two-time it, MLP, two-time Grey Cup champ. <laughs> uh, no, Neil Lumsden will not be the president in Edmonton. Uh, those sources turned out not to be correct, but there's some rumblings now. Way to go, Global. That uh, Rick Lalisher uh, may be sticking on longer than previously thought and that maybe the community sort of model is not working in Edmonton anymore and Lalisher might stick around to guide them through the process of I guess going with private ownership if it comes to that do you see it going that way Ty? I I think that that has been proven to work like so is the community model but you have to win you have to keep the fans happy. Edmonton fans are smart. They're, they're okay with a rebuild. But with just everything that's happened in the last three years with this team, I think they're fed up. If only there was a billionaire that lived in Edmonton that maybe owned another franchise in the city and could just provide it as a rounding error. I think that would uh, go well. There were rumblings of that earlier this mm-hmm. year, and, and maybe and, that's and, the way and, it goes. And I think... This is going to be a hot take, but I don't, I don't think Commonwealth is conducive to a successful CFL team if they're not winning. Like, oh, I, I I don't think it's been like, like I, that I, for thirty years, right? Like it, it's too big. The amount of staff you got to have in there, it, it's it's just nuts. Like a twenty five thousand seater or twenty thousand seater would work so much better in Edmonton oh, and be a better atmosphere. You know, what I, and like the old track is gone. Seats are still just as far away. It it it's not great. It'd be incredible. I I, I would love yeah. to see it, and I know uh, fans in Edmonton uh, connected 
to that place. But uh, I guess we'll see what it looks like next year when everybody's in the lower bowl. Mm-hmm. Sh- Sheldon, it appears that Smiling Hank is interested in the job in Saskatchewan. If you were a betting man, where are the odds of old Hank uh, making his return to Ryderville? <laughs> what is it? Is it about 25 zero. years after he left? Yeah, we were in high school, man. Yeah. It, it should be zero. Uh, I don't think he has built the resume to become a head coach in the CFL yet. Uh, I'm fine giving him an interview and getting, you know, for the chaos that that brings, but uh, he's not somebody that should be a, a leading candidate, in my opinion. I think it'd be entertaining. I I kind of want to see it just for some new blood there, man. Do do we want another Matt Dunnigan situation? Like, I just that. Yeah, but did, did Dunnigan do <laughs> any coaching at any level in the NFL? I honestly don't know. No, I don't think he did. But Hank's been doing assistant coaching down there. He's been doing quarterback coaching down there. Only um, way I'm okay with it is if he brings Nathan Rourke here then hey. let's go. Uh, he's making 12 grand a week on the practice. Rest. I know. I don't think he really I wants know. to go anywhere just yet. Yeah. He wants I, to play though. He wants to play. He wants to like, play. That's why, that's why when he went to Jacksonville, like I told you guys this in the group. Oh, time, I like, said that was, why would that you was go a there? puzzling move. He should have went to the Raiders. Well, now that they yeah. just benched <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo this week. Um, he 100% should have went there. But like, but, I, I get wanting to go though, because Doug Peterson's in Jacksonville. Right, but I mean, they have a franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Like yeah. the only re- the only way you're going to get time there is if he gets hurt. Lawrence is going to be their guy for the next decade, fifteen, twenty years. Yeah. So, but on the Nathan Rourke thing, I think he's going to be back in the next maybe three years. Yeah. We just see, and I know uh, we love the Bears him, are looking, and I know he's good, but every time an NFL team has an opening. Uh, how many injuries we've seen around the league, and nobody mm. takes a sniff at him at all. So, well, I, Minnesota went after Joshua Dobbs. Yeah. So, which I mean, he has been good. Like he's, I think he's only lost two games against the spread this year. Yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> but, see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, I got an email here, and Uh-oh. thanks for no, it's a good one. Thanks oh, okay. for it getting <laughs> on uh, our radar here. Bomber Junkie on Two and Out CA. Reminding us that the uh, U Sports playoffs start this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you caught the end of the Dinos and Bisons game, but the Dinos needed the win by 13 to get into the playoffs. Was and that was that like for a tiebreaker? Yeah, it was a point okay. differential thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that was some Craig Dickinson right there. There's like 13 seconds left in the game or whatever it is. The Dinos take a snap, fumble the ball. Bisons return it for a touchdown. They lose the game but clinch the playoffs. Like, that is an end to a football game. Like, not often do you win a game. I feel like this... Remember when the CF... Well, we don't remember it because other than Sheldon, they used to do the two uh, playoff The two-game total games. point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, losing right. the game but still being ecstatic, you know? Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's what happened and to the spe- Bisons. And speaking of, like a f- speaking of a great football finish, Coach Vic in Sylvan Lake, uh, Eskimo, or Elks, sorry, season ticket holder, won a game with a rouge. <laughs> 
That's awesome. What a playoff game on a Rouge. Yes. Yeah. We know the Alouettes are going to pull some stuff this playoff, so it's kind of why I'm cheering for them to go on a run here just to see mm-hmm. uh, what Moss is going to pull out here. Uh, but did you guys see that? Sorry, did you see that video of like in 94, I think, or 2004, or one of the two when BC tried to do the punt like on their three-yard line? Oh. And it failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> Three-yard line. Wow. Yeah, that was, it was bad. So it's semifinals in U Sports this weekend. Uh, lots of games uh, to check out, including the Bisons and the Thunderbirds, uh, the Huskies mm. and the Golden Bears, and then Sherbrooke, Montreal, Mount Allison, Bishops, uh, Windsor, Laurier, Queens, Western, St. Mary, St. Effects, and Concordia. Laval. Let's go Mount Allison. The U Sports playoffs, and we get to the division semifinals in the CFL, where the Montreal Alouettes are home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Something's got to give here. The Alouettes seven and three inside their division. The Tiger Cats three and seven inside their division. The deck. The deck looks pretty stacked. Against the Thai Cats, I think Sheldon. Yeah, it does, but I, I, I truly think Hamilton has a better chance as an underdog than Calgary does in BC. But um, it all depends on what they do at quarterback and how. Uh, well, how and it's just because you starts. hate uh, uh, Calgary. No, <laughs> Darren, it's not that. <laughs> if you look at the last, uh, I think it's the last seven games Hamilton is like five and two or something like that like they're they've brought things together they've beaten BC they've beaten Winnipeg uh Milanovic is running a really good offense for them right now so if they can if they can find a way to get pressure on Cody sack him a bunch of times take away the running game like it, it it's very possible that Hamilton can win but I don't think it will happen they have said that they're going with the two quarterback thing that Bo and Schiltz are going to get playing time this week. Ty, uh, do you like the two quarterback thing? Does it keep Montreal on their toes or what? I I don't like it. I, I think it as much as it'll keep Montreal on their toes, maybe a little bit. I, I just think it disrupts your offense too much to yeah. a point where it's hard. Like if you get in a rhythm and you've already said you're going to go with the two quarterback system, but if Bo gets hot, what is it going to take for you to put Schultz in? Are you going to put Schultz in? Are you abandoning your game plan? Like I'm under, the, I know it's kind of like a broke record, but if you've got two number ones, you don't have any. And, and I, do, I would just prefer them to just go with one. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd like them going with two because it makes me pick want to pick Montreal even more. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. It's also like you're you're going back and forth between cadences. The yeah. the waggle times are probably might be different with the two quarterbacks. So it's 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 not as easy as just go with the hot one. It's you mm-hmm. gotta it's it's tough to prepare as that team, not just the team playing against it. Well, and then you're splitting reps during the week and everything too. It's just yeah, it doesn't set yourself up very well. I don't think. It does seem for some reason that Schultz is just better off the bench. Whether they plan Dan for Evans. that or whether he comes in after an injury he always mm-hmm. just comes in and makes these big plays we know that Bo's not going to run for 75 yards in the game but defenses have to be ready for uh Schiltz to run mm-hmm. for maybe that much in a game here 
the Alouettes have beat the Ticats four times this year, including the preseason. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I was going through the <laughs> schedule here uh, <laughs> and I confused myself, but it does include the preseason. It's, they say it's tough to beat a team three times in a season. Never mind four, Sheldon. Yeah, um, but playoffs is different. I think like it. I, I think you got to throw everything out. Um, the only thing that leads to Hamilton is that they kept it close this last game. Like, so that's something to build on. Um, but I, I think you throw away the regular season. It's if you have a good coach anyway, the it's one you're one and done. So you you don't worry about what you did before. It's what you're going to do now. Here's a big stat about the Alouettes. They are second best in the CFL in turnover ratio. They're plus 14. The Argos by far are number one. They're like plus 27, and that's yeah. why they are uh, as good as they are. But th- I guess that just speaks to uh, how well Fajardo has protect- protected the ball at times this year, but also how well they can take the ball away. Whether it's Lemon or Sankey or Duquois or Beverett or Stubblefield, they've got some guys on defense that fly mm-hmm. around, uh, Ty. Those Alouettes are fun to watch. They, they can get to the quarterback. They, they disrupt a lot of plays. And, and not only the turnover ratio, they're second in passing yards against. They are, quietly, they are, I think. Right? Like They've got a really good pass, D. Um, and like you said, Bo isn't going to be running for 75 to 100 yards. So you know he's going to have to throw the ball. And that, I mean, they've been able to get pressure with three and four guys. So you don't need to send a bunch. Uh, you don't need to send blitzers. You can drop eight back in coverage and and play the numbers game. Yeah, I think the question for Hamilton is who's going to step up behind Tim White? White's mm-hmm. going to get his targets. White's going to get his yards. We know that. But who's going to be the number two guy? And I think that's also a question for Calgary. We're going to get to that in the in the West semifinal. Who's going to be number two behind uh, Reggie? Like, uh, they need somebody to step up uh, there. The uh, Ticats are actually number one in time of possession. Sheldon, a key has to be uh, feeding James Butler early and often and trying their best to... Uh, obviously control the clock, but their turnover ratio is not good. It's minus four for the Ticats. Remember earlier this year, I think both threw five interceptions in a game, so they they had some pretty bad games Mm -hmm. in that department, but giving the ball to Butler uh, has to be a key, even though running against the Alouettes, uh, at times you were able to make things happen. They're kind of middle of the pack in that department, but Butler seems to be a guy, the more you give him the ball, the better he gets. Yeah. And that's, that's playoff football, right? You got to grind the clock. You got to get positive yards on first down. So you're going second and medium, second and short. Um, That the best way for the Hamilton to win is to control the time of possession and keep uh, Montreal's offense off the field, obviously. So, um, yeah, a steady dose of Butler, and I assume Milanovic will do that. Uh, and then if you can bait them in on some play action and go over top on them, I know it's not easy to pass on them, but that's what you have to do to be successful. I like this. The Alouettes are actually sixth in the league in second down uh, percentages on converting second downs. 
But uh, second and long, the most dangerous play in the uh, CFL for the Alouettes. Like, are running at one hundred percent. Are we going to see it this week, Ty? Or are they going to bait Hamilton into thinking they're going to pull it off? I, I want to see it. Yeah. And like you, you see some tweets like this, they shouldn't change this rule, but they probably will in the offseason. It's like no teams just need to defend it. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Like you're going to drop back on a bubble screen 15 yards. Well, then why am I like, they're going to play sticks defense. Why wouldn't I just do it this way then? A key injury to watch here for the owls is K on Julian Grant. Uh, the big Canadian receiver has not practiced this week. He just looks like he's trending towards not playing, which is, which is unfortunate. He only got into nine games this year. And he almost matched his career high that he had last year in 17 games. He had uh, 512 yards uh, in his nine games. He's a beast after the catch. He's just a monster in that department. So that's a big loss for the Alouettes in their receiving core. So Austin Mack is going to attract the best defenders that the Ticats have to offer, and he might not have much room to move around with Kayon Julian Grant possibly not out there attracting that extra attention. Either way, this uh, this one is going to be a fun one to watch, and I'm also going to have my eyes on the returners. There were two return touchdowns in the final game of the regular season. I don't know if we're going to have that again from uh, Letcher and McAllister, but uh, Ticats, I think it'll do them well to get McAllister more involved and get the ball into his hands mm-hmm. more often. The West semifinal uh, has the BC Lions home to the Calgary Stampeders. Now, while the Alouettes are three-and-a-half-point favorites here, it's a little bit of a bigger spread for the Lions. Six-and-a-half-point favorites, but but Sheldon, I know you're a Calgary hater. Uh, put it aside. <laughs> The the Lions, uh, remember their defense during the summer, and everybody's kind of praising them. Let's, let's talk about it the last 10 weeks. Yep. They, For, like Farhan Alji sending out uh, these stats on X. They're eighth in points against, seventh in yards allowed, last in first downs given up, eighth on second down, they're eighth in takeaways and last in defensive penalties. And, and to be clear, those eights are second last. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like it's, it's not like they're it's eighth and 15th. They're in the bottom of most defensive categories since August. Yeah. And look, I don't know if Calgary is the right offense to take advantage of that, but... They've got a chance here, and I, I think the Stamps could really uh, – they could cover here, Sheldon. Well, if any of them other than Bagleton can catch a ball, then, yeah, they might have a chance because uh, none of the other receivers have been helping out Jake Mayer. Uh, and, like, I know BC's defense has obviously shat the bed. Uh but I love the past tense. <laughs> Ryan Phillips is a good coach, I think. And I think mm-hmm. uh, he's hopefully going to have them go. But I also think that the, 
that might be skewed a little bit. When Vernon has a bad game, he has a bad game, and he throws like you know five, six picks. That's why their turnover ratio is so bad. Yeah, um, that's surprising too. Yeah, and so if uh, if Vernon has a good game, I think the defense has a good game. I think I think it's it's very symbiotic that way. Um, it's not like. Calgary that sometimes their defenses has has let them down but Mayer and Bagleton have have bailed them out bailed them out and there's been a quite a few games where you know they got 40 points what but they're also giving up 38 or 40 points too mm-hmm. so um that's the kind of game I see happening here if it if it turns into a def- offensive shootout I think BC wins that if it turns into just a defensive game Calgary has a better chance I would say if that makes sense you know, and I think that last game of the year uh, between the two teams, when Calgary clinched the playoffs, I think BC was kind of quit. They quit. They were kind of set. I think they were. I don't know if they were okay with uh, finishing second instead of first, but it, it really seemed like it. Losing forty-one to sixteen, but that that helps the Stamps at least get some momentum here, whether we like it or not. Kadeem Carey. He comes into this game, I think, kind of fresh. And he doesn't have much mileage on the on the tires this year due to injury. And the Lions rush defense, not what it was at the beginning of the year. They, they held Jamal Morrow, you know, to like 0.3 of a yard of carry. <laughs> but Well, you only get the ball six times. <laughs> yeah. He's not Kadeem Carey. Mm-hmm. That has to be a big, big focus for the Stamps in this one to get him the ball early and often, tie. Well, and I think, too, like healthy scratch, make sure that he's healthy for playoffs. Yeah. Now he comes back, like you said, fresh, banged up all year kind of thing. But I, playoffs, I I don't want to say like, this is the time of year where guys are going to battle through a little bit more, but bigger picture in the, in the regular season, are you going to keep battling and then possibly lose your entire season or – you know, just lose a week or two to make sure that you're ready to go. Um, and, and BC is a team, too, that doesn't run the ball. They're, they're last place in rushing oh, yards. Yeah. So, I mean, if Calgary if, if Calgary can can get Kadeem Carey going early and often and run that clock down and and getting first downs, get Bagleton involved, maybe some, maybe some of the other receivers actually make some catches and some plays, and they can hold on to the ball and keep Vernon Adams off the field, Maybe he gets cold, and and not like you know he just won't be won't be in his groove, and that's just another way to disrupt that offense with your own offense, not necessarily your D. Yeah, I, I know it's I know it's indoors. So, I mean that works for the Lions. The Lions are six and three at BC Place, mm-hmm. and the upper a couple of those open. games though were like Eastern teams playing at eight o'clock local <laughs> time. <laughs> the uh, Stamps are three and six on the road this year but they they had a different d line it like because these teams i don't know they, during the last week of the regular season they put their starting quarterback out there but they have to put the starting old line out there to get a fair mm-hmm. evaluation otherwise it's just a waste of time well, and and why would you want to put your starter out there with a mishmash o line if you don't have to you're just asking for something to happen so that being said, the Stampeders were getting after VA, mm-hmm. and 
he's dealing with a banged up knee. We've seen a few times this year where the riders got to him and he's limping around the field and the stamps got to him in that game and he's limping around the field. Mike Moore gets in there for the stamps and all of a sudden it just looked like a completely different different line. Like he was gone from August until that game against the Lions. And I don't know. They, they looked like a different D line. They still have Mike Rose. They still got Julian Hauser that can make plays, and they still uh, have Isaac Adeyemi Berglund. So if they're gonna make and Vernon a hell of a defensive Park, coordinator, you can force Vernon to make mistakes. So I mm-hmm. think I think he's gonna be putting the the pressure on himself in these playoffs. I, he's he a guy does. that. Yeah, he wears his heart chip. on his sleeve. He's got a chip I, on his shoulder too. Like he's been around the league so much, and teams yeah. have just given up on him early. Whereas BC's given him a chance, and he's trying to show everybody else that you know I can do this. It might be almost well. I think he'll take it as put up or shut up time a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, he's got the talent to make it happen, but the the stamps are going to try to rattle him. And uh, they've got the ability to do that. Like, for everything that we've said about Calgary, they do okay at protecting the ball. Their their turnover ratio is third. Which Which is really second. Like, because Toronto's just so far ahead. They're another (laughs) stratosphere. That kind of surprised me, Sheldon. They do okay with uh, uh, protecting the ball, but they are Brutal, horrendous on second down. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. The league. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I think so many times we've seen, you know, Mayer chuck it deep and the receiver drop it, and we're like, ah, oh, and it feels like a turnover. <laughs> like, yeah. when they they have the opportunity so often, it seems, because those receivers, they run great routes, they get open. It just, for whatever reason, sometimes they just <laughs> can't catch the ball. So, uh if they can keep keep the the turnover uh, ratio in the positives, that's obviously a big sign. And when it comes to BC, if Vernon throws one, you know probably two or three are going to come very quickly. Unfortunately, so uh, it's the turnover battle is probably the biggest key I would say in this game. To be honest, yeah, sounds like me and Madden. <laughs> if I throw one, I'm throwing four. Hundred <laughs> percent. That being said, the the BC Lions could be without a pretty a significant piece of their D line. Sione Tehema has been suspended for a game for an incident that took place. Uh, he struck an opponent uh, during that game against the Stampeders a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it looks like BC is kind of preparing to be without him. But he could appeal it and maybe be available. That's just one of the things that uh, happens like baseball. In, in sports. Well, Rose did that, right? He appealed the pushing the mm-hmm. official, and then it went until after the Grey Cup. And then he – I don't even know if he still got his game or not. I'm not well, sure. sometimes – Just pull a Jamie McLennan and retire. <laughs> you can't get me. You know. <laughs> and they, like, sort of, you know, forget about – uh, <laughs> these suspensions in the off season. Hey, I know Not you said four. Just give me like two and call it good. All right, yeah. all right. <laughs> um, Farhan Lalji uh, with some practice notes from Lions practice. Take one, Mizell back at running back. 
But Justin McKinnis getting reps ahead of Lucky Whitehead in the offense, which I, I think is pretty big to note. And Justin McKinnis has been one of those guys in practice that are in games this year where he's shown up and just had big games because it seems like just about everybody has forgotten about him. He's had a career year this year, five touchdowns, 690 yards. Nice. Uh, and he's played all 18 games, but just in the last, since Labor Day, he had 108 yards against the Stamps. He had 118 yards and two touchdowns against the Red Blacks, had another touchdown against the Elks. This is all since the middle of September. So if he gets into the offense, you got the big six foot five McKinnis to look for. You've got uh, the big six foot four Dom Rhymes. To look for, and you've got the beast in Javon Katoy to look for. I, I think the Lions might come out high flying, first in passing yards in the CFL tie. Yeah, I, when you have the targets that they do, and they're all massive. Yeah. They don't have like I mean, they're all bigger than any DB that's going to cover them. Um, they're more physical. That they can fight off tackles. They can fight for the ball. They high point the football really well. Um, and and there's still that speed aspect that they have as well. And and if Whitehead is a little banged up and maybe McKinnis is getting the reps, doesn't necessarily mean Whitehead's not going to get into the game. Where you know if yeah. Whitehead gets into the game, he can blow the top off any defense, mm-hmm. right? So it's just another aspect that you have to worry about from this from this offense. But if they're going to come out and start and throw the ball like we think they will, like, I mean. Just the way that they have, I mean, they're they don't run the football. They're last in the league in rushing yards, so you know they're going to air it out. And I mean, Calgary's defense, if they can get a couple, you know, they don't even necessarily need to get picks. They just need to not let the big play happen. Yeah, and, and maybe start and get get a couple knockdowns and stuff. And that, that is going to, I think, that'll affect Vernon Adams just as much as a pick will. Jalen Edwards Cooper could be an absence in the BC Lions secondary. He's, I think, one of the hardest hitters in the league. He's always dangerous when he's out there, but he has not practiced yet this week with uh, a shoulder injury. We'll see if he gets out there. And, uh, yeah, another key for the Stamps is uh, who's the secondary target behind Reggie? Who's going to have the big game? Odom's Dukes has the ability Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark and Michelle has the ability, but in the playoffs, uh, if you're going to have Nick those Lewis costs... available, <laughs> hey, suit him up, suit him up. He's got sure hands, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, you're going to make those costly drops in the playoffs. You're not going to go very far at all. All right, let's let's lock the picks in. Hamilton, Montreal, uh, Calgary, BC. We'll start with you, Sheldon. Uh, it's going to be Montreal and BC. Ty? Montreal and Calgary. Ooh, Hamilton, BC. Ooh. Let's go. I don't know. If Calgary covers, does it count? Well, because I see them covering too. (laughs) I, I I see them winning straight up. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, this is, I, I just see that the both uh, Montreal, maybe they've gotten themselves a little bit uh, more momentum going into the playoffs, but mm. uh, 
Hamilton, like, is this put up or shut up for Steinauer? Like, is he done if they lose this game? Has to be. Yeah, maybe I want Hamilton to win because I want Milanovic. <laughs> but BC or Montreal. Like, how many times can you go to the playoffs and lose? And yeah, some of those losses are great cup losses. Yeah. But yeah. at some point, it's just like, hey, that's not working. Hey, at least they made the playoffs when they were hosting the Grey Cup. <laughs> now, How'd that these go? games are on Saturday. <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. I I would rather my team not play in a home Grey Cup than lose in that home Grey Cup. 100%. In overtime. Yeah. I don't... Imagine, imagine Regina in 2013 if Hamilton wins that game. <laughs> There'd be no Regina to speak of. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been fun. It'd be Vancouver 2011 all over again. <laughs> also, me? I cannot wait for that 3030 to come out. On what? On the riots in Vancouver. Oh, oh, that. <laughs> That's going to be so good. <laughs> Is it actually coming out? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's going to be good uh, programming. Get ready for Saturday playoff football. So dumb. I'm here I, for it. What, you're here it. for it? Yep. I think it's lame, but yep. here we are. Saturday playoff football. I mean, I'll watch it, but... Uh, not going to be happy about it. Yeah, I'm not going to be happy about it. Uh, you can rate, review... The game's on. You're going to watch it. It doesn't matter if we bitch or we don't bitch it. If it gets ratings, that's what's right, in my opinion. I'm just glad. Well, we talk about the strong Sunday ratings all year, and then all of a sudden we move it to Saturday. <laughs> but that was before the NFL started. Yeah, but I, I, still think people, like I still never... think people are, if people want to watch the playoffs, they're going to watch. Well, yeah. for sure. For sure. But they've always been in the millions. Like, yeah. yeah. Why yeah. are we scared now? I don't know. Now you're putting it. on a Saturday afternoon where it, people are a lot busier on Saturdays than they are on Sundays. And if we were so scared, why aren't they moving the Grey Cup? I, I'm, I'm damn glad the Grey Cup's still on a Sunday. I I wouldn't mind it on a Saturday. Yeah, you. you <laughs> if I was Sunday going to, to it, yeah. If I was going to it, this but mine, but then you, everybody would just show up Tuesday anyway. So like, it, it's still going to be the same amount of time. I don't think. I, I just but. think Saturday evening is when prime time television events happen. So. Yeah. Or, you know, Saturday at 2 in the afternoon, Tyson Fury fights and nobody knows about it. Cause... <laughs> you see Eminem, Mike Tyson, Vince McMahon, front row, seating all next yeah. to each other. That is awesome. <laughs> That's a crew. You can't put Taker in the front row, though, because nobody'd see. Yeah. <laughs> you can rate, review, and subscribe to and out on your favorite podcatcher. Support the show on Patreon and like and comment on YouTube as well. I, I like there's a guy that he keeps commenting just saying for the algorithm, which I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, keep that up. Yeah. <laughs> for the algorithm, baby. Uh, we'll be back. Sounds like a t-shirt. <laughs> That's our new for the brand. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a t-shirt. Mm. <laughs> or at least I'll be here to talk about the playoffs uh, later this week. Yeah, enjoy the games. <laughs> Sheldon, you'll be sleeping. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. That'd be nice. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.